everyone, and welcome to episode 391 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week. Kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this lovely Monday, Richard? I'm doing well, Seth. We made it. We survived one week without previews. <laughs> oh, we did. Well, I, Wizards Wizards knew. Wizards knew that everyone was, you know, getting a little restless, needing some previews. And today, we got a, a ton of previews. Dominaria, Infinity, some Arena, Historic and Explore Anthology stuff. So we got new cards to talk about for days. Before we get into that, though, we got another co-host in Krim. Uh, Krim, happy uh, Kalidus Day to you, finally. <laughs> yes it feels like it's been 90 years in the making but yes i'm excited my my theory is some wizards people listen to the podcast and they just got tired of hearing you bring it up and they're like all right we'll just put it we'll put kalitas in the anthology so they they don't have to talk about it anymore <laughs> it's yeah, seriously th th thank you if that's true like thank you oh my god yes <laughs> Uh, anyway, the plan for today, it's spoilers. We got tons of Dominaria news. That's the next set coming out and some pretty interesting, interesting stuff going on in uh, Dominaria United. So we're going to talk about that. We got Infinity spoilers from SDCC talking about the new set, which is absolutely wild. And then Historic and Explore Anthologies, which actually comes out the end of this week. We only got a few cards from it so far, but a, a pretty interesting overview of what we're going to be getting in those anthologies. And then Fishmail, of course. So that's the plan for today. Before we get into it, though, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And we've been telling you about Card Conduit, a great way to sell your magic collection, and their curated shipment service that lets you sell your valuable cards with a reduced service fee for a while now. And as long as your cards have a retail value of at least $2, you get to send in as many as you want, and you still just pay a 5% service fee. And as with all of Card Conduit services, you don't got to sort your cards, you don't got to grade your cards, you get to skip over all those hassles and just safely package everything up and ship it out and you'll even get a detailed report with the results so you can check out card conduits curated shipment option is a way to buy list cards with fast processing optimized prices and the low low service fee of just five percent and you can even get another ten percent off if you head over to cardconduit.com slash mtg goldfish card conduit they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards so thanks to card conduit for supporting the show and let's talk some magic and let's start i think with probably the biggest news which is a sneak peek at dominaire united uh, this is a set full spoiler season is not until i believe august 18th so we got like three weeks to go and then the set is actually releasing the first week in september uh, in digital and then a little bit later uh, that week in paper so we're about a month away from dominaire united and we got a lot of information about the set and we got some spoilers that we're going to talk about but first we got some just ridiculous news about the collector boosters from the set and a promo that Wizards is doing there. Richard, what was the big news about Dominaria United collector boosters? All right, legends, <laughs> legends has it that <laughs> Wizards found some boxes of legends in storage and decided to crack them and put them into Dominaria United collector boosters. So 3% of Dominaria United collector boosters will contain a random Legends card, original Legends card, minus an exclusion list, uh, but it includes all rarities. So you can open anything from a Tabernacle to a Common, except the exclusion list, which is cards that Wizards feels no longer um, they should be publishing. Uh, that list actually has some significant cards in it, like Sylvan Library, Mana Drain, Underworld Dreams, <laughs> Darkness. Uh, but 3%... Of packs. So if you want even more lottery cards, have some original Legends cards and really <laughs> hope you open that tabernacle, I guess, right? <laughs> we should. We, Wait, so is Acid Rain in it? Acid Rain might, might be in it. So actually, there's like a little weirdness here. There are some cards that are actually just being excluded because they're not cards that Wizards would print in 2022. But then also, even though they opened like a ton of cases of this set, some cards they just literally didn't get because print runs were really wonky back in the day. And you could apparently open like case upon case of Legends and not get every single card. So I think like Mana Drain, I don't think it was excluded because it's a card that they don't want to print. They just literally didn't manage to open it because of how wonky the print runs were. 
from back then. So there's a whole list over on the mothership of like the cards that were actually opened but excluded. And then there's also a list of cards that they just somehow didn't manage to open, uh, even though they cracked all these boxes. Is this a, what do you think of this promo? So obviously, I mean, it's 3% of collector boosters, and then it's all rarities, so even if you hit the 3%, odds are it'll probably be a common, which the commons are usually worth a couple of bucks. It's not like a common today that is literally worthless, but a lot of the commons aren't actually worth all that much money. Of course, if you get like super lucky, you could get a $4,000 tabernacle or something, but I don't know. Do you think this is going to generate hyping as sales? Are people going to buy more collector boosters because there's a small chance of opening? legends wait is so wait hold on i thought that you could get the legends cards even outside of no 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 only three (laughs) percent only three percent of collector boosters not every booster has one by the way right so this is like oh in double mastered they had textured foils and they were also in three percent of collector boosters so we've seen this i believe that was also the number on that Ah, like the Neon Hidusugu. So for the last few sets, there's been a slot in Collector Boosters that's like super duper ultra rare. And it's been changing each time. Sometimes it's a special kind of foiling. Sometimes it's a Hidusugu. For Dominator United, it's the chance of getting a literal OG Legends card. So it's basically one of those promos, which is, I mean, it's cool. It was definitely exciting. The idea of it's really sweet. But I would imagine if you actually think through the numbers in the EV of it, I bet it's actually worth less than some of the other 3% slots we've seen. Like, if you look at the textured foils from Double Masters, like, a lot of those are worth several hundred dollars. Like, a Ren is $400 or whatever right now. I don't know if getting a bunch of Legends commons in the 3% slot is actually more valuable for people opening packs than some of the other things they've done there. I mean, just browsing the MTG Finance subreddit, I think someone did, like, a, a number crunch, and they said it was, like, two dollars of ev or something the slot adds it's like not much okay and if you wanted legends cards like go buy the singles <laughs> right like essentially yeah. that, that's basically it because yeah. you're gonna open a lot of bad cards that you didn't know existed when you win the jackpot at three percent <laughs> right and it's not gonna be worth it so I, it's like a nice little bonus but i'm sure it'll get people to buy packs because people are bad at math and like you know, it could be anything. It could be a tabernacle, Seth. Like, think about it. It could be a tabernacle, I, right? So I, people will buy, right? I think it's, ah, uh, yeah, people probably will. And it is a really, it's just a cool, super cool idea. And it fits the theme of Dominary because it's Legends themed. But I think really it's like, you know, when you go into like a casino and they have that big slot machine or whatever right in front of the door that you get a free spin on, like if you're staying there <laughs> or whatever. I feel like you got to think of it like that. Like if you're buying collector boosters anyway, it's cool that there's some really small chance you open like an epic legends card that's going to be super valuable, but you got to go into it knowing that like only one in 33 packs is actually going to have them at all. And then most of those are going to be commons and uncommon. So it's the odds are just so, so slim that I don't think you can really count on it or base your spending habits around it. Although it is really, I mean, it is just <laughs> sweet. It's cool to see those old cards showing up in packs. Although I will say I was a little disappointed because the rumors came out a couple days before they announced this that hidden treasures or priceless treasures might be coming back. And I don't know if either of you remember that when Zendikar came out and people just like showed up to their pre-release and started opening the first Zendikar packs that were released. And people were getting like Black Lotuses and Power Nine and Wizards had just put a very small amount, but still they just put those cards in regular packs. So I think everyone was hyped about about the idea of that returning but then when you find out it was only in collector boosters and it was only three percent of the time i think that kind of diminished some of the hype like i think that's the big difference between what we're doing now for dominarian back then is back then like you could just get it in a normal regularly priced pack and have some you know tiny chance of opening these cards what do you think about paywalling it this way behind like the most expensive booster product uh i'm not surprised it's fine, right? Like, whatever. I, I guess, like, if, if you're going to put it behind, like, some 3% chance in a $60 booster, a $30 booster, whatever, it, 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 it makes sense. I don't mind it. Yeah, I don't know what we would expect. You would, like, expect Wizards to give it out in their base product that's, like, no frills. Like, nah, right? It's always <laughs> going to go into the yeah. premium version. Um, you know, be glad it's not attached to a secret layer or something. Or, uh, <laughs> but... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just like I know exactly what's going to happen, right? Like 
So with anything that's super rare, right? You're when when this launches, you'll go on the, the MTG subreddit and you're gonna see all these tabernacles being posted. And it's gonna look like it's so common, even though it's like one in a million shot or whatever. And then you're gonna be super hyped to go buy your packs, and then you're gonna get nothing. Like you should, right? Uh, like it always happens. Like every single game, when there's like a rare drop or like a very like rare event that happens, like just because there's like five million people doing it, there will be a handful that post it, and then it will look very common, and then innocent bystanders will think it's common, and then go go participate, and then get totally wrecked. So like I understand the wizard's marketing angle here, and it should be much greater. Uh, impact than the original run because like now social media and everything is like so much bigger so i i see what they're doing and they're gonna drum up hype for collector boosters and i wonder if this will be like the best-selling collector booster set of all time because of this i wouldn't be surprised like i think it will work and i don't think it's wrong that they're doing it that way like obviously it'd be nice if it was like 10 years ago in zendikar where they just gave it as essentially a gift in normal boosters to everyone like that would be super cool but i don't think they're doing anything wrong to do it the way that they are doing it and it probably will i guess increase sales just from like the like you said the marketing aspect of it the you see someone else doing you're like like that could be me like look at all these tabernacles i gotta get a collector's booster like yeah that makes a lot of sense that's how our psychology works what do you think of this story the narrative of it because wizards posted a video of this and uh, the the story is there was a a warehouse somewhere out in the middle of nowhere in washington and they went to clean it out and found (laughs) pallets upon pallets of these old legends cards i think there's been some conspiracies that they printed these cards and they're new that is absolutely bunk there's no they open them on video like i don't even know why anyone would think that they could print new versions realistic versions of legends cards today i don't think you get the right paper i don't think you can get the right ink like things have changed in the last 30 years so that's just absolutely silly at the same time do you think they actually just like randomly forgot about millions of dollars worth of pallets of legends in a warehouse and stumbled upon them or is that just a a good marketing narrative that works with the story i i genuinely believe that that they probably found it maybe not in a warehouse or something like that but but like i don't know i they definitely didn't print it. Oh, they didn't print it. No, there's no, there's no doubt about that. Whether it was a warehouse or, I don't know, a closet yeah, or a, like a, you know, a pizza yeah, hut. Pizza, who knows? Pizza right? Hut like yeah, full, like, full of legends, legends pizza. <laughs> you know, it's it's that story exactly. where you go back to your parents' house and you like find some old cards and you're like, oh my goodness, I had all these dual lands and black lotuses that I wasn't aware of. Right? Like <laughs> back then, that's probably thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars worth of sealed product they put there and lost. So they're like, I don't know. Who knows, right? Like, it was not a big deal. So when they stumbled upon it, now it's worth a lot more. I can totally see that happening. I can totally see it's like I, someone's garage, you know, the the third <laughs> warehouse for Magic the Gathering, right? Someone's garage. They're like, wait a minute. What are all these cases of uh, Legends doing here? I can buy that. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I could see that. Whether Whether it happened, you know a month ago or 10 years ago or whatever but there probably was a warehouse that had a bunch of legends and i wouldn't be surprised if wizards like they've done the beta drafts before they did the hidden treasures thing in zendikar which apparently they had to actually buy the cards for that i wonder sometimes if they have like a an actual warehouse where when they print a new set they just like stick a couple pallets in the corner for 30 years later in case they can ever do anything with them like if I was running Wizards, I would I would consider doing that. Like uh, that would be an actual like kind of smart plan, so you could do cool promos like this. Anyway, that's a that's the OG Legends. It'll be interesting to see what it does to collector boosters. Also, a little curious like Legends doesn't enter the market anymore. Like a single booster pack of Legends is around a thousand dollars, and there just really aren't that Whoa. many of them on the open market. So it's not like people are cracking Legends packs. I'm curious if this is going to have any impact on on the prices of cards like tabernacle like even if there's 10 of them or 20 of them that end up showing up because of this that's more tabernacles that have entered the market than probably in the last five years or something because they just like no one's opening them who can open legends packs so i'm curious to see if this actually has any impact on the prices of these cards once it uh, starts happening as well that'll be i'm guessing it won't be major but i think it could have a small impact on prices I think you get a discount. If you, if you don't play Tabernacle and you open this thing, you will unload it for anything reasonable, right? Like you, you will undercut by 10, 20, I will snap you know, 30% sell that. just to get rid of it, yeah. right? So 
I could totally see the prices temporarily being affected by it. I, I will say there was a missed opportunity. Remember, we were talking about that Flesh and Blood video last week. <laughs> I was really hoping that they cracked all those oh. Legends boosters and then the excluded cards that they aren't going to put in the packs anyway. They just, like, set Mare over to the Shredder or something and dumped him in. That was the chance to actually see what the reaction would have been to uh, t- to Wizard shredding a bunch of original Legends cards. But they, they didn't do it. They didn't do it, which was probably wise, but uh, it would have been so entertaining to see what happened. <laughs> anyway uh i think i what i've gotten from this is that seth really likes shredding cards <laughs> i just i just want to see the twitter reaction i just want to see the reaction that's a it's a good popcorn day on twitter if that ever did happen but <laughs> i i would want to see that too i'm not gonna lie to you <laughs> uh we also got some actual news about dominaria so that's collector boosters that's the legend stuff we got a handful of spoilers from this set uh richard why don't you guide us through some dominaria spoilers all right uh uh, we have a new Jaya, Fiery Negotiator, two red red at Mythic, four starting loyalty, uh, plus one, create a one one red monk creature token with prowess, minus one, exile the top two cards of your library, choose one of them, you may play that card this turn, minus two, choose target creature and opponent controls, when you attack this turn, Jaya deals damage equal to the number of attacking creatures to that creature, minus eight, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a red instant or sorcery, copy it twice. You may choose new targets for the copies. Isn't this card like great? When I read Jaya, I feel like people are even like sleeping on it. I don't know. Maybe I'm too high on it, but four mana, four loyalty. That's good. Planeswalker is at plus to make a token. Pretty good usually because you can use them to defend the planeswalker. You get card advantage. You get removal. The ultimate is probably fine, but even without that, like whatever, the other abilities are really good. I feel like this is a planeswalker that should at least be standard playable, right? Like you add all that together, it seems like a strong planeswalker to me. I I think she's pretty good. I mean, like she's got four abilities, right? Like I I think the closest comparison I I, I can think of is really just yeah, like Chandra, right? Mm-hmm. Jace, uh, and sculptor. Jace, yeah, yeah, like, like, I don't know. This, this seems pretty good. Getting a, a monk with prowess is actually going to be probably pretty decent. And I like the minus one. Uh, the, I, I think, I think that minus two is probably like really good. I think that's probably the main thing here. For me, the minus two seems pretty good. Obviously, it's a bit too early to fully get the 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 full scope of everything, but I feel like Jaya is good. Yeah, I think the negative two it definitely has a lot of upside. It, it's really going to depend on the deck, especially as like the top end of some aggro or go wide deck. The negative two seems great because you get to attack and then get a blocker out of the way and force through even more damage, and it makes the monks that can be creatures that you can attack with. So it does kind of snowball itself a little bit with those two abilities. Yeah, I, I think it's. The average playable four drop planeswalker. It's like plus one, create some advantage or create some creature. Minus one, create some card advantage. A minus two, some form of removal. It's like four mana Omnixilis. So I, I think it's like totally <laughs> generically playable. Uh, and I think she will see play in standard. Now, she the greatest thing ever? I don't know. Will she see play in older formats? I don't know. But yeah, it's just like make tokens make card advantage removal like that's that's generic planeswalker template to me no spell copying i'm surprised until you get to the ultimate yeah, it is, oh yeah that's true it is a little cookie cutter i guess but i think like maybe maybe that's fine i feel like wizards we used to complain about this a lot there was a time when it felt like every planeswalker kind of followed that template and it got a little boring but i feel like wizards has printed so many unique planeswalkers lately that I'm okay with a with a Obnix <laughs> list slipping in every Seth. once in a while. <laughs> yeah, they, oh, we can have some good ones too. They don't all have to be Kazminas that have some wild ability, but no one ever plays it. <laughs> all right. Uh, next up, Shivan Devastator, a Mythic Dragon Hydra, X Red, Flying Haste. Shivan Devastator enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. I'm so torn on this card. I think this card is going to be very popular in Commander. Like, it seems great in Hydra decks. It seems fine in Dragon decks. If you can make a ton of mana, you can potentially just one-shot someone with it. So I think it's good in Commander. In other formats, oh, it's so tough. On one hand, it's really not I think efficient it's at any point on the curve. A two mana, one, one, four mana, three, three. Even with Flying in Haste, like... 
none of those are actually efficient. On the other hand, it is very flexible. It's never going to be horrible at really any point on the curve. And in the late game, this can come off the top of your deck and just be like a game ending threat, especially in some sort of like treasure deck that just has a ton of mana. We have so many treasures in standard. I could see something with like black market, whatever the mana dork and professional face breaker, where you just play this on the top end of your curve and like make a bunch of treasures and smash someone for 10 or something. So I don't know. What do you think, Grim? Is this playable outside of commander? I, I think this is actually probably underrated. I, I think this card's actually pretty interesting. I don't know. I like the scaling haste, uh, you know, the, all of that. Like, that, that, I think the haste is what makes it nice. And the fact that it scales to, like, it, it can get bigger than, like, the generic, like, 4-4 four, four flying uh, for 5. Of course, you are paying 6 for this, you know? Like, like you're paying 6 mana for a 5-5. Five, five. I, I, I like it. I like it. I think this card's actually going to be pretty aggressive. And I, I'm a fan of it. Yeah, my two boomer. I think this card's pretty good. <laughs> like the the ability yeah. to just rip it off the top at the end and just have like say an eight mana seven seven flying haste is pretty decent, right? And even at lower yeah. mana values, because it has flying and haste, it still like does something. So I actually think this is decent, but maybe maybe it doesn't have enough ETBs and keywords on it for twenty twenty two. But I I would imagine this is okay. I think you would actually see this played in a lot of different decks, not just a single deck. And it's only single red, so it is very splashable, too, which is definitely a huge upside. And if you have, like, counter shenanigans, then it gets even better. If you're somehow doubling counters or winding, constrictoring, or thing, you extra synergies there, which that might be more, like, commander stuff, but this with, like, a doubling season or something? Oh, my God. That's that's a, that's a lot of damage. A lot of damage. Uh, Shiv and Dragon is crying, though. It's been, it's been power crypt. <laughs> That's been devastating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I d- and also the the flavor text is another thing to pay attention to, right? Because I mean, uh, just just for like early spoiler season, I mean that this this pretty much does this not just confirm that she Aldred's here. It confirms that Shieldred's alive to me, at least. It's probably there, but I think there was actually debate over whether Shieldred was even still living, and a lot of people seemed to think Shieldred was dead. Other people said it was, like, a cliffhanger, and no one was really sure, but to me, this 100% confirms that Shieldred's not dead, and it seems very likely that it's going to be on Diamond Air United. That's probably the Planeswalker we're getting from this set. Or, not Planeswalker, Praetor, rather. Yeah. All right. Next up, Lanawar Loam Speaker. One in a green. So two mana value. One, three, Elf Druid at rare. Tap, add one mana of any color. Tap, target land you control becomes a three, three elemental creature with haste until end of turn. It's still a land. Activate only as a sorcery. Meh. Are I mean, two it's, mana mana dorks playable. <laughs> I mean, we're losing Prosperous Innkeeper, so people are going to need something to ramp after rotation. I like that it has three toughness. Uh, turning your lands into creatures is risky, but it does kind of make this aggressive if you can get windows to attack with it. It's a, a two drop that can be a three, three essentially at the cost of some mana and tapping. So I think it's fine, but I don't know. It's still at its heart. It's still a two mana mana dork, which we just have so many of those. That's kind of like the baseline these days of like fringe playable, like maybe you'll show up in the right deck. And I think that's kind of where Atlanta War Loam Speaker lands. I think this card's good. Really? Right? Like, like. I, I think the adding of, like, obviously the mana dork part of it, sure, whatever. Much like Seth had mentioned. I, I guess, hold on. When I think of good, I'm saying, like, instant. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I, I think that adding one mana, like, we need something to ramp, much like Seth had mentioned. But the ability to get in there with a 3-3 haste land, this means that this isn't just a completely useless card when you draw it late. Like, it, a 1-1, one, one, sure, whatever, right? But, like, I can't just play a Planeswalker into this, usually. And the land being, you know, wait, does it does it ever go back yeah, end to of turn. a land or it, it, is it, it it's does. A end yeah. of turn? Oh, yeah, elemental. yeah, yeah. Then yeah, I, I think that's that's great, right? Like this is just better. Like I would rather have this than than whatever we're using now, the innkeeper. Oh, oh, really? You'd rather have this than innkeeper? So I think the. The thing is that I think we forget in our treasure world is like the upside innkeeper is even if it dies, you still get the mana. Like, you guarantee that as each area it's coming down next turn. With the mana dorks like this, this doesn't have, like, Sylvian Carry added protection or Paradise Druid protection. So it does just 
die to things potentially. But still, I think, I mean, we live in a world where two mana mana dorks are, are playable because we don't really get one mana mana dork. So I definitely think this is a standard playable card, but I don't know. It, it seems like just another two mana mana. If I could trade Hexproof for the ability to turn <laughs> a land into a creature, I would. So <laughs> like, would if, I, if I had that says. choice, I would make that trade. <laughs> I would make it a zero one. I would give it Hexproof. <laughs> yeah. Do you think this means we won't get Llanowar Elves? There's a lot of speculation because last time we went to Dominaria, they actually gave us Llanowar Elves and we had a one mana mana dork. Do you think this means that's off the table now? Uh, it would be very interesting if for some odd reason they also added a one mana mana dork unless they were really trying to push some kind of like green ramp strategy. Yeah, I don't know if they would add Llanowar Elves. And this one, yeah. like especially coming in at rare, like doesn't it feel bad to like open this if you have a lot more elf in the format? Like, so unless yeah, because why would unless you play they're up shifting a lot more elf to rare, um, <laughs> mythic, mythic, mythic land or elf in twenty twenty two? Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised this wasn't just a two mana three three or something. <laughs> it itself could attack, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's fine. Next card, evolved sleeper, black one one rare human. Uh, single black mana activation. Evolved Sleeper becomes a human cleric with base power and toughness 2-2. Two, two. Uh, one in a black. If it's already a cleric, put a death touch counter on it and it becomes a Phyrexian human cleric with base power and toughness 3-3. Three, three. One black black. If it's a Phyrexian, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Then you draw a card and you lose one life. So like level up. At yeah. instant speed, that's it, there's that's no sorcery speed like, thing here. It's, a, it's like a figure of destiny. Yeah. It's kind of a callback to figure that style of card. So being instant speed is a huge upside. Like that really separates these style of cards from the level up cards. How good this card is, ah, that's that's a good question. I like how cheap it is to level up compared to and past you versions. you could do it whenever. Yeah, well, I'm comparing to, like, Ascendant Spirit, Figure Destiny, other ones that are they're similar where you do it at instant speed. So I like that it's cheap to level up. The thing I don't like is I feel like the good Figure of Destinies end up with Evasion at some point. Like, your Ascendant Spirit turns into a big flyer. Your Figure Destiny turns into a big flyer. This is always kind of groundbound, and it never gets that big. I guess technically, if you can activate the last ability a bunch of times, it can get big. But I love that it's a mana sink. Like, it levels up quickly, and then if this sticks around, just the option to pay three, draw a card, grow it anytime you want to, that's actually a really powerful effect if it stays on the battlefield. Again, this is another card. It doesn't have an ETB. It's actually like the opposite of an ETB, where it's got to sit out and you got to invest additional mana into it. But if that does happen, like, it's a powerful card, right, if it stays on the battlefield. Yeah. I, I, I think it's definitely pretty decent. I mean... I, I think I kind of like it, actually. The more I, I, I think about it, yeah, I think this is decent. Do you think this gets played in, like, mono black aggro in, like, Pioneer? Uh, so you got to beat out, like, Knight of the Even Legion. I'm trying to think what's... Yeah. I doubt it, actually, now that I think about it. Because you got Knight of the Even Legion, which is just... I think way better than this card. Knight is like super strong in the one drop slot. And then it Did seems you say like it's night and day. <laughs> it is night and day indeed. And then uh All right. the the other one drops are mostly recursive, right? And this isn't recursive. Yeah. I could see maybe you play it uh, maybe you play a copy or two. I don't know. I don't think it's impossible. It's also a human, so maybe there's like uh, there's some human aggro decks and they have like Thraben Inspector and then you're down to like Blood Soak Champion and Dauntless Bodyguard. Maybe maybe something that could take advantage of its creature type would make it better. I mean, it is a 2-2 attacker on turn two if you dump a man into it the next turn, which is nice. <laughs> it's a like, that's a one drop. This is a more oh, defensive but, option, it, right? You sit there with open mana and you're like, I dare you to attack because I'll just put death touch on it and block. So they don't attack and then you do something else with your mana. So I feel this is not an aggro card because if you're aggroing with this, it's so mana inefficient. But it's more of a blocker attacking deterrent and then later game, it, it's draw engine for you to like pull ahead. So I think it's decent, but... Not in an aggro shell. I think it's so much mana just to get some attacks in. Like, Ascendant Spirit sees play. Yeah. 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 That, sees, that sees some play even back to, like, Pioneer. Although, again, it's, like, it's 
second level is a 4-4 flyer. You essentially get like a Sarah Angel stats out of it. So this is, I think maybe Richard's right because it never gets evasion. It's going to be hard to turn it into a good aggro threat, but it is pretty good on defense yeah. thanks to Death Touch. And it is a card draw engine if it stays around. You play in your cleric deck? I don't know. <laughs> you can put it in your Phyraxian yeah, deck. Does. It has other types Phyraxian if you level drive. up, right? I mean... I mean, that's the the big thing here, right? Is this is showing like Fraxi is back. Like uh, this is where we're heading. It kind of confirms that everyone kind of already knew that or pieced that together. But this definitely shows that in practice, that's where we're going for the next four sets of magic is, uh, you know, the Fraxian back to new Fraxia, whatever is going on with this, which I'm excited for that. I think it's going to be sweet. All right. And then last new card, Temporal Firestorm, three red, red sorcery at rare kicker, one into white and or one and a blue. Choose up to X creatures and or planeswalkers you control, where X is the number of times this spell was kicked. Those permanents phase out. Temporal Firestorm deals 5 damage to each creature and each planeswalker. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I, I gotta, is I it, gotta is read multi right, Can what? you kick twice? Like one in a white, one in a you white? You can't. You can't. So this is like in between normal kicker and multi-kicker. So when you cast this, you can pay one in a white or one in a blue, or one in a boy, and one in a blue, yeah. and kick it twice. So maximum is like two kicks, it a million right? times. So maximum, maximum is phase two out kicks. two of your yeah. things for nine mana, and then deal five damage to everything, right? So the question, like, so this is burn down the house. We have burn down the house yeah. in standard. It's not rotating. Five damage to everything. The upside of burn down the house is you can make three devils if you don't want the damage. The upside of this is if you got a bunch of mana, you can save one of your things. Burn down the house sees some play. I don't think this is like a format defining card or anything. Not even sure if it's better than burn down the house. I think maybe it depends on the <laughs> it's style. Definitely of deck. not. <laughs> well, I mean, like I could see in a control deck if you can like get to seven and phase out your planeswalker and sweep the rest of the board and get to keep your planeswalker. Something like that could actually be kind of powerful. But I don't know if it's better overall than burn down the house. Probably roughly the same level. I, I, I think the flexibility in, in Burn Down the House is nice, where you can be aggressive or controlling. That's true. Uh, this, this is, that's probably just better than this. Um, I mean, even a control deck, like, why, why would I play this, I guess? Sa I mean, there's better <laughs> ways to answer planeswalkers. <laughs> Save my Jaya, okay. I, I don't know, may maybe this card pops off and I'm wrong, but like, for, if this were like, like four mana, then we, we could probably talk, but. I don't know. I, I feel like if you're worried about answering Planeswalkers, you have easier ways and more efficient ways if you're a control deck. Do you play Burn Down the House in your control deck or no? Not really. Not really, no. Yeah. But I guess this seems more like a... Because when I think of a control deck, I'm thinking more of like just hard removal. Like, I'm going to just play f Faded Absence or whatever. Uh, right? Okay. And just like pick, pick off your Planeswalker individually. And I don't see a reason to play Temporal Firestorm. Oh no, I was I was meaning the other way, not to pick off I was meaning you can save I mean, your planeswalker, but I'm still right. like seven mana is still it's a lot to blink your planeswalker and have it avoid the damage, but even that that's maybe that's just too much to actually matter. So Well that that's what I mean though, right? Like it, I don't think a control deck would care enough. Like the that latter half, like, oh, it deals five damage to each creature and each planeswalker, right? So Yeah. If you're if you're worried about dealing with planeswalkers, you have easier ways to deal with them. Uh, and then, of course, this could save your own Planeswalker, but I just don't think I would play something that would hit my own Planeswalker. So I would probably Makes just sense. play something that can sweep the board and then deal with the like the Planeswalker separately. And I think you can do a lot of that, like even depopulate, right? It can deal with the creature half of it. And then, yeah. you know, you just individually kill the Planeswalker. And you got Farewell and stuff like that that you can deal with the rest yeah. of the board. I guess we'll see. Maybe like... Maybe if there's enough kicker matters cards, because we know, I mean, I love kicker. It's such a sweet mechanic. Like, it's just simple and pure and it's been around forever. So we'll have to see maybe if there's like stuff that rewards you for kicking spells. We saw that a little bit with like Verizal last time we got uh, we got kicker. So maybe maybe there's enough stuff that rewards you for kicking spells. This could beat out burn down the house. But in general, I think it's it's just an OK sweeper. All right. The other reveal was full art textless no, no not that one said <laughs> basic oh. lands basic lands the oh. stained glass basic lands what do you guys think about the stained glass basic lands i i i don't know i mean i i 
think they're just okay. Oh, <laughs> Grim is denying a new promo. It's officially promo <laughs> fatigue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think they look great, although I feel like I say this every single set. And yeah. how does their greatness compare to the greatness from the set before and the set before that? I don't know anymore. Like, I don't know how to tier rank all the cool lands we get, but they look good. The same class looks cool. And I don't know. I mean, I would run them in my decks, but then that's true of a ton of these special lands we get these days. So I think maybe there is a little bit of fatigue, but they do look nice. I really like them. Am I going to buy them? No. <laughs> but I think they're cool. It's, it's like you're, the, you're gonna... the the Pokemon Nyx style, except there's actually like an island in the background now and a mountain in the background, right? <laughs> so I actually really like them. But like Seth said, we get so many cool lands now and all the secret lair lands and whatnot. Like what? Like, I don't know. Like, it's just too much. So you, you don't need to you don't need to buy them, Richard. You just need to uh, you'll get them naturally as you chase Tabernacle <laughs> opening collector boosters. So oh, that's yeah. The, there you that's go. the play. Yeah. <laughs> oh did legends have basic lands in it it didn't right oh. no, no i don't think saved. so oh <laughs> i would be so furious if i opened like <laughs> here's oh, the planes so all right no <laughs> so what seth was snickering at was uh we got store <laughs> championship promos and uh gilded goose spell pierce and omnath locus of creation and omnath is full art textless Cryptic command, so move aside, my friend. Like, full art textless Omnath Locus Christian. I don't even know what the abilities oh, do, Seth. Boy. All I know is if you they trigger landfall twice, you're probably dead. Uh, but I don't actually know what happens. <laughs> I love that they did this. I love that they, you know they did it intentionally. Uh, not only did they print a textless card, but they printed one that has literally a cryptic command amount of abilities. I think someone actually counted it and it has way more words than cryptic command. So it's not like they did it with some super simple, easy to remember card. They did it with an incredibly complicated card that no one's going to remember. So I think it's hilarious. I think it's just like from kind of a trolling perspective. I think it's really funny that they actually printed it and it's a store championship promo. So it's going to be pretty rare. You literally get a win, get first place in a store championship to get one of these. So I think if you're someone who doesn't like like textless promos i don't think there's going to be enough of them out there for it to actually be a an issue for anyone so i think it's it's cool i think if we're going to print all these cards that don't look like magic cards and are you know hard to read and have different fonts and the text is in weird places i don't see why we can't have some textless promos too so i i like this card if i ever build omnath uh commander deck i would search out one of these and this would be my commander for sure uh we need a podcast Am I the a-hole playing Omnath Locus <laughs> of Creation textless? Not only that, it's been no, rebalanced just... on Arena. So, like, if you're an Arena player and, like, you played a long time with Omnath, you may have the wrong text in mind, right? Because, like, I think originally the text box changed and they reverted it and then changed, like, the, the mana cost or whatever. But, like, oh, this is so confusing. We've given up on readability of Magic cards altogether, I see. <laughs> I, I saw someone on Reddit when this came out uh, did the calculations and there's like almost 40 textless cards in its colors. So we're not quite to building the complete textless Omnath Commander deck yet, but we're not that far away, really. Like you're in the in the cryptic colors. There's a <laughs> bunch of like rampant gross and other old promos. So we're getting close to the point where you can build the full textless deck, which I think would be pretty funny. Oh, that'd be the perfect thing to also just give your friend, you know? <laughs> <laughs> give your, yes, that's how you teach someone how to play magic. Here you yeah, go, noob. Here, just <laughs> read the card. Read yeah, the read, card, noob. <laughs> reading the card explains the card. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. So that's Dominaria. We got a whole nother set though. We got a whole nother set to talk about. Uh, so we gotta, we gotta move on. We gotta get into Infinity. Uh, this doesn't come out until October now. We got a minute to go. So we got at San Diego Comic Con a sneak peek at Infinity. We got some spoilers, but I don't know. I really gotta ask you guys, what do you think of this acorn thing? That was a big thing for me. Richard, we got two mythics previewed. Why don't you, uh, explain those mythics to people and then okay, we talk let's, about let's, them? Let's, let's explain acorn again in case you forget. So, Unfinity will have cards that are legal in eternal formats. So that means, uh, commander, vintage, legacy, etc. And cards that are not legal. So think the traditional silver-bordered cards. All the cards in Unfinity are black-bordered. 
Cards that are what we previously known as silver bordered will have an acorn hollow stamp. So at the bottom of your card mm-hmm. today, when you get a rare mythic, there is a circular hollow stamp showing you that it's special. It will be an acorn now if it is quote unquote silver bordered. And if it is not an acorn, it means it is legal in commander, legacy, and vintage. So just because it's an infinity set, don't think it's not legal, right? It can show up at your commander tables. Or maybe even an unsuspecting legacy deck. Okay. And just because it's black bordered, don't assume yeah. that it's legal because that doesn't work the anymore. Border doesn't mean anything now because we have like borderless cards and, and whatnot. So they, they've gone to this acorn. So you need to look for the acorn. Um, oh my god. So yeah, <laughs> this is this is a real conversation. This is a real conversation, yes. right? And then oh, uh, this isn't even the weird part. The confusion is the during previous the season they didn't put the acorns on properly. So some cards are supposed to have acorns, <laughs> but they don't. And then you're like, well, like what? But okay. Um, Perfect. <laughs> uh, uh, stickers. Okay. Where, where, yes. Where's our sticker card? Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna read okay. you a new card. It's called Wicker Picker. Okay. Uh, <laughs> three generic mana. Two three artifact creature. Scarecrow guest. Uncommon. No acorn. Meaning it's eternal legal. Creature spells you cast have sticker kicker one. You may pay an additional <laughs> one as you cast a creature spell. If you do, you get ticket. <laughs> then you may put a sticker on it. Okay, now what are stickers? You may ask, what are tickets? Uh, so tickets are just a resource, uh, like energy. So there are cards that will give you tickets. And then you can spend those tickets to get stickers. What are stickers? Uh, I'm going to read the short TLDR I wrote on our preview article, which is a giant paragraph, okay? Uh, but there are cards that give you uh, tickets and play stickers on Premise Control. So stickers are actual stickers. You're going to get like these peelable stickers that are reusable. They will have the same stickiness like a, a post-it note or something. So it sticks, but it's not permanent. Uh, stickers give you abilities. For example, a sticker may give a creature shadow. It may change its power and toughness to like a 1-5 or a 4-7. It can change the art. There's just like random art stickers for you to stick on your cards. There's 48 sticker sheets. Uh, each uh, sticker sheet has multiple stickers on it. You will choose 10 to put in your sticker sideboard for your deck. So a deck, if you play with stickers, will have 10 cards that are sticker sheets. At the beginning of the game, you choose three at random. Uh, so once you've chosen from those random, uh, at random three sticker sheets, you can now use them during the game. So you, you place them on a card by sticking them on a card when, when an ability tells you so. And the stickers remain on the card when the card moves between public zones. So battlefield, graveyard, and exile stickers remain, but they come off when you go to private zones, like your hand or your deck. Uh, when the stickers come off, you can reuse them later if you have more sticker cards and remember this is legacy vintage commander legal so stickers are here they're like ability counters or like some kind of like permanent counter with like pseudo um you know they're they're pseudo permanent they move between certain zones but not other zones did you catch all that i no uh, yeah Uh, start again from the beginning I do not know what to think about this mechanic. I, I, I'm definitely surprised that it's not acorned, for one thing, that it's actually going to be legal. At the same time, I would guess and I would hope that Wizards is wise enough not to print like a legit legacy staple that involves stickers. Like, I, I think that's oh, where there's uproar. If we get Jace the Mind Sculptor with stickers or Stoneforge with stickers or something on that level, oh my goodness, that would be... I think not good overall, especially <laughs> Wait, since, how, well, I mean, I don't think legacy players want to deal with this for one thing. And secondly, like, how do you think we're going to do this on Moto? Like, that's where most legacy and vintage is played. Do you think we're actually going to be able to successfully use stickers on Magic Online? I would be surprised. So well, let, let, let's be honest here. It's Moto. It, it functions as well as anything else does on Moto, right? So I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> as how that works on Moto. I'd be surprised on paper though right like that that would be the humorous thing just because i want to see someone say like i put a sticker 
on <laughs> I don't I don't know on on my my mom or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> who who knows? I I just think that it would be hilarious to watch legacy players put stickers on their cards. So, so the joke is Wicker Picker is three generic, so it goes into vintage shops. So like you can <laughs> <laughs> like it, it is playable, right? And I could see Wizards messing this up and making some accidentally playable thing. Uh, but, yeah. it, I mean, I think you would more likely see it in Commander. Like, some of these cards are actually okay, <laughs> right? Like, for, like, pretty playable in Commander. And that is the intent that they had when they made this Acorn thing and they wanted people to play these cards in Commander. Like, I expect you to be peeling stickers in Commander, <laughs> Which I, I I'm fine with that. Like I play whatever you want in Commander. If we have stickers in Commander, I'm perfectly fine with that. I think there's some weird What's rules Commander implications. <laughs> I mean, one's a casual format and one's a competitive format. I think that's the that's the difference. I think there's some weird with weirdness potentially with changing card names. Like that's changing card art. That doesn't matter. Adding abilities. It's like a twist on whatever keyword counters that we've had before changing the power and toughness. There's other cards that can do that. To me, the part that's weirdest is being able to change a change a card's name. And I think this actually has real world implications. Like we already have a non acorn card that just, when it comes into play, you get to put a, a sticker on a non land permanent you control. It is six mana. So I don't think it's like legacy playable, but we know that that's a, thing that cards do and one of the easy examples of this is like pithy needle someone like pithy needles your jace and then you put a sticker on jace to change its name to happy jace the mind sculptor or squirrel jace the mind sculptor the squirrel like and then it's not pithy needle anymore because it has a different card name so i i wonder if wizards thought all this stuff through or if they're just like huh this will be funny like do you think they actually tested this and like work through what if people change the card names of things in legacy i don't I don't know. That's the part that scares me is it does do stuff that we've just never seen before. Yeah. And if it's not balanced properly, it could actually have a negative impact. Yeah. So we, we don't have the full rules. So we don't know if the pithing needle thing works or not. Um, they, there is a blog post by Morrow that, you know, clarifies some things, but he did not go over this. And there's like other rules, like you can only sticker permanence you control. So you can't take someone's dual land and sticker it. Um, <laughs> Which is good. Yes, but that is a good choice. Hey, this is like like complexity creep to the max. Like you cannot understand what any of this does by reading the card, right? You need like a whole comprehensive rules guide to understand this mechanic. And I don't know, there's just something wrong about stickers to me. Like if you think about it, tickets <laughs> are like energy. And then the... Um, the, the sticker abilities, they're like ability counters, right? Like we have like counters that give you like trample and stuff like that. But for some reason, like now that it's a sticker, it's like really offensive to me. And I don't know if it's like me trying to peel sticker off a of fruit or something or like a price tag off a toy or something. But like I don't want to sit here and try to peel stickers off my sleeves. And the best way to peel a sticker off is to bend the thing it's on, right? To get a little edge up. I'm not going to bend my cards, right? I'd have to like de-sleeve them to bend the sleeve and like... Why am I playing with Heck stickers? Yeah. Why am I playing with stickers? Why was this necessary? <laughs> it is uh, a little weird how hard Wizards has went for cards that don't actually work, uh, that like exist outside the game. Like you can have a legacy deck that needs a 10 card sticker sideboard. Uh, it could also need several dungeons that you need to have access to to work your way through those. And I think all that stuff does add to the complexity, right? Pretty soon you're gonna need a second deck box to carry around all the different sideboards that come attached to your deck potentially, which I, on digital, that's fine, I guess, but I don't know if that's actually a positive for paper. And I gotta say, I hate the acorn thing. I absolutely hate it. I feel, I feel tricked. I feel deceived. Here's my experience with the acorn thing. I woke up, they spoiled these cards uh, late West Coast time. I woke up in the morning, went to Reddit, Far Out was at the top of Reddit, and Far Out's a three-man enchantment that uh, when you cast a modal spell, you get to choose any number of the modes instead of just one mode so essentially cast the charm you get all the modes on the charm and it was really cool it's such a neat design and i started thinking oh what can i do with this what if i play this into cryptic command or something and then eventually after thinking about it for a few minutes and getting hyped i noticed oh there's this little tiny acorn down at the bottom so this is actually not a and I know people are going to get mad if I use the word, but it's not a real card. It's not a legal <laughs> card in any format. You can ask people to rule zero it into your commander game, but it's not a card that you can just play anywhere. So I feel 
a little deceived by this border change, honestly, where silver border is very clear at a glance. Like, okay, this is, silver border cards are super cool, and I love silver border cards, but they are different than a traditional magic card that you can just play in a format without having to ask permission. So what do you think about that change? Like, is am I just like, I don't know, being a grumpy old boomer or something and not liking the change, or? <laughs> I... Uh... It's weird that they would mix it. Like, there's so many usability issues here. Like, if you open a pack, like, half the cards are legal, half are not. And you're like, what? Right? And then, like, to figure it out, you got to look at this tiny symbol. And the first time this was explained to me, I'm like, what the heck is the acorn holofoil? Like, what is a holofoil? What symbol are you talking about? I was expecting, like, um, you know, when they had the guilds and they had, like, the big symbol in the... Oh, like a water. Yeah, like a water. Yeah. I was expecting that. I'm like, the hollow foil? <laughs> what is a hollow foil? I played in 1994 when there were no such things, right? So, and then I look at the hollow foil, like, it's barely visible as an acorn, right? And, you know, you have to actually contrast it to the big oval of a normal card. But the problem is, like, commons and uncommons of normal cards don't even have a hollow foil. So you can't even compare, like, commons and uncommons together. So I think it's, like, a huge usability issue and i'm very surprised they went ahead and did this like if you wanted to mix the legalities just like keep them silver bordered right have the rules committee put silver bordered into commander if that's what you really wanted or if you really wanted acorn symbols like make it a separate product so that when you open this pack you know like the legality of like every single card in it without having to to double check so it's just like a really weird choice that they made and I don't know. I'm, I'm upset about it. Like someone really wanted their pet project to be played and like they're shoehorning all these things in to make it work. I'm like, you know, if you need to put black bordered cards to make your silver bordered set work, you know, sell packs, maybe that's telling you something about silver bordered cards. Like people don't want them, right? Or, you know, if you have to change the border of cards, people play them. Like maybe that's telling you something, right? So I don't know. I... I think that, you know what, for the sake of, like, what is Unfinity and, like, how confusing Silver Border cards are, all this other stuff, I think, is this not perfect in nature of what the set's meant to be? Kind of, like, essentially one gigantic troll, like a meme within itself. Is it? So, oh, is it supposed yeah. to be a troll? But yeah, I, I, I like it. I like it because of that. Like, I am confused. Don't get me wrong. I have no idea what I'm allowed to play when I'm not allowed to play. But at the same time, that adds to the humor. Right, it's in the spirit of what the set is. So I personally think y'all are just being grumpy old men <laughs> screaming at the sky. <laughs> this I, is funny, uh, right? Like I, I, I dig it. I dig it. I, I can see how it's funny, but normally the thing about old unsets is you can opt out. Like if unsets are just not your thing, you're just like, oh, it's they're not legal cards anyway, so I don't have to. If you don't like the joke, you're not forced to be in on the trolling. If you, you can opt out of the trolling with this set, you really can't do that because it's partly legal in legacy, it's partly legal in vintage, it's partly legal in commander. So I feel like the the opt out is no longer present. So I agree that the trolling thing is like in the spirit of unsets. But I just don't like that there's no opt-out button for people who don't uh, don't appreciate the trolling. Well, then the people that don't appreciate the trolling, you know, need, need like they they just need to add a little spice into their life. That's that's what it is, right? Like, <laughs> I I think all that's all that means. I think it's beyond trolling, though. Like, so I'm going to use the A word here on the podcast: alchemy. People did not like alchemy, at least on Reddit, right? At least the enfranchised crowd, you know, they don't like alchemy. And the new sticker thing is, like... They don't like anything, though. <laughs> like the, the new sticker thing is, like, eerily close to alchemy, right? So I am curious as to why Wizards felt like they could pull this off after, like, the backlash of alchemy. Um, you know, the... Like, Wizards player... Uh, Magic players like new mechanics, but there's a line somewhere, right? And alchemy crossed it. I don't know where we know that line is exactly. So I'm surprised that they're, like, kind of forcing these quote-unquote acorn mechanics into eternal and expecting people to be happy with it when they've seen like what happens with alchemy right because like if you look at it like the, the 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 mechanic is very similar to alchemy right so i'm curious <laughs> i'm curious how this will actually and sell at the end of the day and whether they have enough promo slash playable cards in the set to sell it or if it's just going to be another stinker and then we'll just have to like 
deal with the random sticker deck in Legacy or something for the rest <laughs> of our lives. And I'll also say that I know Mark Rosewater has mentioned that part of the reason they wanted to do all Black Border is because he really believes that people should be able to play Silver Border cards in Commander, but players have a bias against Silver Border cards. So if you make them Black Border, they're not Silver Border anymore. But my thinking on that is, is the bias isn't against the border. The bias is that Wizard says these cards are not legal, and the RC says these cards are not legal. So the problem isn't the border, it's that if you want to play with these cards, you got to ask permission before the game. It's like an extra step you have to go through that you got to ask, and what if your opponents are like, no, I don't want you to play with these illegal cards, and you got to find a substitute. So a lot of people just don't do it because of that. So if if where we're at is we want silver border cards or acorn cards to be legal in commander, the solution to that is changing the rule to make them legal in commander, not changing the border. I don't I don't think the changing the border into an acorn, I don't think that solves that issue at all. If that's part of the issue that um, Wizards is trying to solve is making making these cards more playable or more accepted in the commander format. Yeah. Do you think the RC is going to do anything? I mean, the RC, when they first spoiled Acorn cards, put out a statement explicitly saying these are silver border cards. They're not legal. But of course, like make your own rules with your playgroup, that type of thing. But we are not we are not taking and making these cards legal. It's not worth it. So I don't know. That was just a few months ago. So I'm guessing that that hasn't changed since then. But I know Mark Rosewater really pushes hard for uh, for silver border cards to be commander commander legal or commander playable or for more people to play with them so it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out i don't know i mean last time i feel like wizards won a little bit because you remember last time we got a silver bordered set oh, yeah. the artsy actually made them legal for like a month or two as a trial run before making them illegal again so maybe something like that happens again where they're like oh we'll do it for a little bit or i don't know maybe there's a point where wizards is like we're gonna <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna make the rules this time. Like, sorry, RC, but they're legal. We're the ones that print the cards. So I don't know if this could ever be. Could this be the thing that actually got wizards to take over the management of Commander? That would be hilarious <laughs> if it, making silver border cards playable was a thing that pushed them over the edge. <laughs> oh, anyway, I think that's that's Infinity. Uh, boy, we're going super super long with our cast today. One other thing to mention super super quickly is uh, this week we're getting two anthologies on Magic Arena. We've been waiting for Explore Anthology. We're also getting a uh, historic anthology. Historic anthology number six. And I know, Krim, uh, there's one card in specific you're pretty hyped about. What are we getting in Explore? Oh, uh, I mean, it's a little card that, you know, we had mentioned a little bit at the beginning of the podcast. It's Kalidus, Trader of Get. Now, this is a card that I've been absolutely dying to play with uh, on Arena because I felt like it should have been there years ago. Now, you'll be able to, like, kind of like black base mid-range decks can, are, are kind of like unbanned in a, in, in a sense. Like, it, it's going to be so good. I feel like this card is going to be played in almost anything with black mana, to be honest. Somewhere in the 75. Uh, and, and I'm excited because Kalidus is just trying to give you a big old hug if you look at the artwork. And, I, and I'm here for it. It, I can't wait. In, like, it has life gain. It, like, generates an army out of nowhere. It plays very well with removal and is a must kill on site. Also, again, with how popular red deck is, this is going to be super good against all the red decks. Yeah. I mean, uh, also, we get the full spoiler Wednesday, apparently. Uh, we only got a couple of cards so far. Supreme Verdict is in, which is big for Blue White Control in specific. Also, Niv decks. Favorite Hoplite shows up in a heroic style deck in Pioneer. So we'll see. Maybe that'll come to explore. Now we got Favorite Hoplite. And then in Historic Anthology... Uh, we got Tarmogoyf. Also a couple Avacyn and Goshen Tie of Life's Origins, more historic Brawl cards. Richard, do you think this is a format where Tarmogoyf can shine? Like, is this this going to be playable in historic <laughs> the at no all? The no-fetch land format? is straight up uncommon. <laughs> the no-fetch land. They, they did nerf Unholy Heat, so it, it might survive Unholy Heat now. But yeah, no no fetch lands, no Mishra's Bobble. They, they, they did him dirty. They should just left him in the dungeons to rot. I don't think I'm going to drag him out, parade his corpse one last time. Like, remember, kids, if you don't eat your vegetables, you become Tarmogoyf, you know? Like, oh, not even a fetch land format, Seth. He's not even playable in a fetch land format. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel bad for Tarmogoyf, too, a little bit. I will say I'm excited about Goshen Tai of Life's Origins. Uh, that's the, <laughs> the shrine. That's the shrine oh, commander. Imagine explaining gonna, this to a I'm, modern player, like, five years ago. 
I'm so excited for Goshintai. Goshintai is dope. Tarmogoyf, though. Mm. It's Tarmogoyf. Yeah. Might not make I don't it. Know. <laughs> so, so, yeah. But that's coming out Thursday. I'm sure uh, Krim and I will be playing it on streams and on the YouTube once we get the new cards. So, uh, you'll be able to see him in action there. But, well, we'll talk about it more next week. I think uh, probably no fish mail this week. We just went so long talking about spoilers. So, any other quick hitters on the way out the door before we wrap things up for today? All right, Richard, if people want to send in fish mail for next week, how should they uh, go about that? All right, you can send all your sticker-related questions to mtgfishmail <laughs> on Twitter. Hashtag mtgfishmail on Twitter. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 391 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Grimm, thanks for hanging out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we'll be back next week to talk about the rest of the anthologies and whatever else goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, have a spectacular week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out. <laughs>